Welcome to the Greg Dwyer Radio Show on Building Fortunes Radio with your host, motivational speaker Greg Dwyer. Be sure to check out Greg at www.gregdwyer.com. That's www.gregdwyer.com. Now on to our show. Take it away, Greg. Well, here it is, January 28th, 2024. How are you doing with those resolutions? By now, people are pretty much falling off the wagon. By February, I hear... I think the last thing I heard was like 80% of the people that set resolutions December of last year have just kind of thrown in the towel. I'm excited, very excited. My guest today is Doug O'Brien. If I were to explain all the things he's done and all the people he's worked with and all the people he's helped, we would probably not get to the interview. So we're not going to do that. Doug O'Brien, when I was thinking about this the other day, he is the expert change agent. He has many different techniques. He has different modalities. But what he gets, if people are willing, he gets them to change. And I think that's what we all want. Doug, thanks for being on the podcast tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk specifically about January. And I guess the first question I have is why is it so hard to change? I mean, people want to change their health their finances, their relationships. There's probably a few other things, their career. You know, they get so excited at the end of a year like December and then the new year. How come it's so hard to change, do you think? Because I know you've been doing this work for many, many years. You have so many examples. Well, I do do have a lot of examples. And I also, you know, I must say, even I have sometimes the same um, (laughs) – the same New Year's resolutions every year. So I've been there. I've been there. I'm not. I'm by no means like perfect in any sort of stretch of the imagination. But um, but I've been around the block a few times. And I was. I used to be a master trainer for Tony Robbins. I started learning my NLP from Tony Robbins back in the 80s, and um, he was an NLP trainer at the time. I became an NLP certified person through him, and um, eventually became a master trainer for his organization. And what would happen is this. People would go to his seminars. I don't know if you've ever been to one of his seminars, but they're, you know, you're a motivational speaker. You know what it's like. People get motivated. People go to these seminars. They get all, you know, on fire with, with desire to make their life totally different, you know, overnight. You know, they'll walk across fire. They'll do these things and, and be automatically changed. Um, and then they go home. And uh, it's not the same. It's not the same as it was at the seminar. There's not all those thousands of people hugging them and loud music and stuff. So suddenly they're left to their own devices. And basically we are creatures of habit. We really are. Human beings are animals like all the other animals. And we are creatures of habit. We get conditioned for things. And uh, without that, you know, what's it called? Uh, Exocentric or whatever motivation, that motivation coming from the outside, um, we, we fall short. So the, these big, mm-hmm. huge plans have, just don't manifest, and then we get discouraged. And so we think, oh, gosh, it's just never going to happen. I guess I'm not cut out for it, or uh, I quit, or things like that. So people would come to me for these, these issues, and so I would, I would take it from there. Yeah, I remember Zig Ziglar talking about motivation. He says, oh, a lot of people don't want motivation. And I know a lot of people don't want motivational speakers. They want experts, people like you, to come in and talk about a specific um, expertise, not just motivation. But he would say, motivation's up there like taking a shower or taking a bath every day or getting cleaned up. Yeah, you do need it every day, and perhaps that's the habit that you're talking about. What are the areas 
And I'm asking because you, you've dealt with a lot of people. What are the areas that people tend to focus on at the end of the year, the beginning of the year, or just things they want to change rather than just talk about smoking sensation and weight loss? But what are the categories that people really want to make better? Well, you know, most people when they come to New Year's resolutions, I mean, it's pretty typical, right? It's, it's weight loss is number one. It is number one for uh, many people across the board getting in shape, planning doing it, really getting in shape. I'm going to run that marathon. I'm going to, you know, run that 5K, or I'm just going to lose 10 pounds or whatever. It, 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 that's number one. Um, number two is, is it tends to be really a feeling of, of financial security and financial satisfaction, that they just don't feel like they've really lived up to their potential. And this year, gosh darn it, they're going to do it. They're going to start that business, or they're going to quit that job, or they're going to shift you know, whatever they're gonna they're gonna do things that are gonna put them in a better state financially. That's that tends to be number two. Um, but whatever it is, it, like I said, people are in we're habit creatures. We're creatures of habit, so we get into this this way of doing things. It's hard to break old habits. I have found mm-hmm. that the best way to break an old habit is to create a new habit, right? And one of the things I discovered along the way is that when we think about people who are really great at doing something, whether they're great at doing business, they're great at doing marketing, or they're great at doing anything, um, they have become that guy. You know, they are a writer. They are an athlete. They are a runner. They, 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 their identity is that, right? They, they, they run because they're a runner. They write because they're a writer. Writers write, right? They get into the habit so they become the identity. So my, my, thought was, instead of thinking about a goal to accomplish, think about who do you want to be? You know, what's mm-hmm. your, your goal as a, as, a, as, a, as a person? You know, who do you want to be? And become that person who writes. Become that person who runs. Become that person who goes to the gym every day. You know, there's not a, necessarily a good word for that, like writer or runner, like gymmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a person that goes to the gym every day. You know, is is that their identity or a gym rat or whatever? You know, should should become that. How do you do that? Just simply by doing it consistently over time. And that's where my ease right. model comes in. Yeah. Now, before we jump into ease, I, I want to touch on this this idea of identity. I, I I heard you speak. I was watching you on YouTube the other day. You were talking about not just categories that you want to improve, like health or finances, but talking about who are you, like. I'm a writer, or I'm an entrepreneur, or I'm a salesperson, or I'm a speaker. And, you know, you can't be a hundred million things, so there's limitations there. So you pick five, or you pick ten, or and then out of that, I think I heard you say, out of that, you say, okay, well, this is the one thing I want in this category as far as I'm a physical um, athlete, you know, and, and here's what I want. I want to lose 20 pounds, or I want to buff up, or, you know. And so when you're looking at identity in that regards, it's pretty easy to figure out what you want rather than saying, I guess what most people say is, I don't know. I don't know, Doug. Like, I, I don't even know what I want. I mean, I'm sure you've come into that as well, right? Oh, yeah. And that's, that's always fun. You know, if a person wants to change, but they don't know what they want, it's like, well, then uh, let's start there. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> figure out what it is that you want, because that's a good first step is to figure out where you want to go. Um, so, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. The, the thing is, 
when a, when a person gets into a place where they, they want to change, it's usually because they have to. When a person is truly in, intrinsically motivated, right, extrinsically or intrinsically, when they're intrinsically motivated, you know, from coming from within themselves, it's very often because they have to. They've, they've gotten to a place where they're in pain. You know, they go to the dentist because they have a toothache, right? Mm-hmm. They should go every six months, you know, but it's a regular thing. Again, the habit of doing that, but they don't. When do they go? When they have a toothache, you know? When does a person quit smoking? When their doctor says, oh, I'm afraid you got a little spot in your lung or something. So they go to the hypnotist to quit smoking. You know, it's it's because they have to. So mm-hmm. one of the things we really try to do is to help people find that intrinsic motivation without getting them to a place where they are, you know, their back is against the wall. They have to do it. What can you do to be motivated now to make mm-hmm. little changes, just to find little small patterns that you can change to start creating new patterns along the way, but start small, start with those baby steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about ease. E A S E. Um, Don't make it complicated. (laughs) No. So what, what is this? And did you come up with this or what's the backstory on this? Yeah, I, I totally came up with it, but it's not, it's not something that I, created out of thin air. I mean, I had motivations from a lot of different people along the way. Just as an example, I had a piano teacher once. Um, I was really, I was pretty good at playing the piano, but I hated playing scales and doing those things that, you know, those little daily exercises like going to the gym that would make it better. I hated doing that stuff. So she Mm -hmm. said, well, tell you what, um, go get a timer like go get an egg timer from the grocery store or something like that. Maybe borrow your mother's, but get an, a timer and just set it for 10 minutes and do 10 minutes of scales, 10 minutes of scales wow. every day. Just free do 10 wow. minutes. And then it became 20 minutes, you know, and I, and I said, okay, I did that. So I stole my mother's egg timer. I literally did. Mm-hmm. I borrowed it. I told her I was taking it. But, um, and I said, mom, can I borrow this? So she said, yes. And she, and I took it to school with me and, um, and I did exactly what my teacher told me. I said I, I said it for 10 minutes, and I did 10 minutes of scales. Dan Millman once said, a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. Mm. So he's another source of, of thinking, like, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. It, even if I do a little bit, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because a lot of people, right. this is what happened when, with the people that I got from Tony Robbins. Well, what happened is people would go to these seminars, you know, even the big ones in Hawaii or whatever, and they'd get totally jazzed and then come home back to wherever they were and and not have that extrinsic motivation happening anymore. So they uh, they they fizzled out. And then they'd call up Robin's Research and say, I need to have a special appointment with Tony. And they say, I'm sorry, do you have a million dollars? Right. <laughs> and, and the person would usually say no. Occasionally they'd say yes. They'd say, great. Hold on, we'll put you through. Um, <laughs> it's not cheap, and the average person could not afford that kind of price to uh, mm-hmm. have a personal session with Tony Robbins at p- that point in time. So they say, well, tell you what, you can't talk to Tony, but we have these master trainers, a few of them, and there's one in New York City that you could go to. So people would come to me, and they'd explain the situation, that they just could not you know, achieve these massive, extraordinary goals that they had. And I said, well, listen, it's great to have massive, extraordinary goals, but what's one thing that you could do on a daily basis to get closer to that without necessarily having to achieve it today? Mm -hmm. You know, what can you do today to move closer to it 
without saying you've got to, you know, you know, do the whole thing. You, have, you, you don't want to jump to the top of the mountain in a single bound. You know, let's take a single step up the mountain. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there. I had a client once who uh, wanted to write a novel so I, and wasn't doing it. And they had this idea that they would sit down and, you know, write the novel and novel <laughs> in one go. But we just had mm-hmm. to write a paragraph a day. One paragraph a day. Right. One paragraph a day. And it took a year, took probably a year and a half or so, but it happened. She got her novel done. Wow. Yeah. So is the first E easy? Is that what the first E stands for? That's exactly right. Okay. So the first E is the one thing that you could do on a daily basis that's easy, but you could okay. do it. Moving in okay. the right direction, but it's easy to do. Okay, so then comes A. What does A stand for? Well, A stands for acceptable. So the acceptable okay. level is to say, you know, it's not great, but it's it's acceptable. I'm, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction with a little bit more movement. So it's not a one paragraph. I can write uh, two paragraphs or five paragraphs. I can write a page, right? So I got the one paragraph done, but let me, let me keep going. And here's the thing, Greg. There's a there's a law. This is really a law, a law of physics. I think it's physics. Newton's first law is a body at rest tends to stay at rest unless acting mm-hmm. on by by force. It's it's a law. The second part of that is a body in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted upon by some outside force. So we want to just get your body that's at rest, you know, up off the proverbial couch. And get moving. Do something. Do something mm-hmm. easy. But once people start doing that, they tend to want to keep moving. Once the, once the wheels are in motion, once the body is in motion, it tends to want to stay in motion. So you get it going, and then, you know, if we've done that one paragraph, let's do two paragraphs. Let's do a page. Let's do two pages. Right? We've got mm-hmm. the wheels in So the first one is easy. The second one is acceptable. The third level is a stretch. Okay. So the stretch level is where you're like pushing yourself a little bit. You know, you're you're stretching yourself. You're doing a little bit more than maybe you have done regularly, but it's still less than that fourth level, the second E for E A S E for the E's. The second level is the extraordinary, which is what most people think they want. You know, just I mm-hmm. want to achieve this now, and they have this extraordinary goal. It's like fine, have that vision. But don't hold yourself to that's the only thing you could do. It's that or nothing. No. It's that or what's something that's a stretch? What's something that's acceptable? What's something that's easy? As long as you're moving in the right direction, you create a new identity for yourself. I am a writer, right? I write mm-hmm. every day. Maybe it's a paragraph, maybe it's a page, maybe it's four pages, maybe it's ten pages. But I write every day. So that's the point. So I remember the story that you've told a few times about someone coming to you and saying, I really wished up that I could play the piano like you, right? Is that true? Is that what the story was? That's the setup? That is the story, yeah. And and then uh, you were able to... Do you want me to tell that story? Yeah, yeah, as long as I have it right. They came to you, yeah, and uh, it kind of fits into what we're talking about. Here's what happened. The the, the woman woman was at my recital. When I played my senior recital in college, my my teacher suggested that I I do it, you know, more informally um, 
before the actual big recital, the graduation recital. So I, I did it at home, and my mom invited her friends over, right? So her, her sorority sisters from college came over and, and stuff. So I played this little informal concert in my mom's living room on the piano there. And um, and uh, they were pretty impressed. It was, it was a graduation recital. I'd been at it for five years to get to this level, and uh, I played well. And one of my mother's friends came over to me and said, oh, my gosh, that was so beautiful. I would, I would give anything to play like that. And I said, really? Mm. And she said, yes, I would give anything to play like that. I said, okay, well, here's what you do. First, number one, get a piano. Number two, find a good teacher. Number three, do whatever the teacher tells you. Um, just do whatever they say and do it, you know, practice like a couple of hours a day for the next eight years because that's what I did. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's all it really takes. Um, yeah. But she she's sort of laughed knowing that that wasn't even closely going to happen, right? So people have these right. dreams, but it's, it's, it takes work to get to those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it disguises itself in overalls and work. And I was having this conversation with a friend of mine that does training for speakers. And I said, listen, I just think it's work. I think you have to sit there and, you know, do what you have to do. And uh, I also said to him, I don't think there's that much competition. And I think when it comes to what you just said, there's those who do and there's those who talk and I've I've been fascinated with this question for over 20 years like I have this is one of the things that has motivate motivated me to read and just to research things why is it that the few do that you know it's not the majority it's like a bell curve there's people like you, you get focused, you do it, whatever it is. And then there's other people that say, I wish I could, I wish I, you know, and then they're back to where they were last year. I, I just wonder why there is these two camps. Um, do you have any ideas? It's just, it is what it is or what? I think everybody wants it to be easy. And it's, not, okay. um, you know, when I, when I was a music major in college, I, I had, there were people that were extraordinarily gifted. Um, right. And, and, but, was amazing to me is that they didn't always succeed. You know, they were, they were like the kind of people that's like, wow, I, I, I just woke up from, um, I, I just was born and I could play the piano. You know, <laughs> they could, it seemed to be just easy for them no matter what, but they didn't always succeed because maybe it was too easy or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's one guy I know was like that and just, I don't know what ever happened to that guy. He, he mm-hmm. dropped out of music school. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened, but but it's interesting that sometimes I think it is the person who is just wants it to, and will do the work for it. There was a study that was done once that took piano players, and I'm using that metaphor a lot, but it's a good one. Um, they they did a study with all these piano players, and they they studied the piano players, um, students, and Across the board, they studied for like five years, these students, and they had them write down how much they practiced every day. And at the end of the study, they had them, you know, perform at, you know, they were graded levels of, of performance and stuff like that. So they could really determine who was the most technically efficient, proficient and who, basically who was the best piano players. Um, and guess what? There was a one-to-one correlation between how much a person practiced and how good they got. There was no 
outlying. There's no, there's no factor of talent at all. The people that practiced the most were the best. The people that practiced the least were the worst. It was just a one-to-one ratio. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, ju- I just don't know how you package that and sell it to people because the masses don't want to buy that and they're not going to do that. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Both, and that's why, that's why we, we charge a lot of money for coaching. <laughs> you know, that's why coaching isn't cheap. Advice is cheap. Coaching costs money because a coach will help you get there. You know, a coach will help you do what you have to do. You know, not mm-hmm. just holding you, but giving you the strategies, et cetera, to do that. When I, when I would coach with people, you know, there's a lot of just, asking questions and talking with people, you know, how, who are you being in this situation is a great question, coaching question I ask a lot. But getting them to do something on a regular basis. And you were right before when you said that you can't be everything. And you do have to make some choices. Right. But everyone is also already intrinsically more than one thing, right? You might be a motivational speaker, but you're also, you know, a, a, a son and maybe a father and you're maybe a spouse, you know, you're mm-hmm. maybe if you want Every day, you might consider yourself an athlete. You know, there's a lot of factors to any individual. So the idea is to say, well, who who are you? And then within these roles that you have, you know, define what they are for yourself. But within each of these roles, what are some goals that you want to do to make that role in your life better? How could you be a better son? How could you be a better spouse? How could you be a better father? How could you be a better athlete? You know, how how do you make it a little bit better? And mm-hmm. then my thought is once you've got those goals, set up these little step ease steps to say, what can I do on a regular basis to make those better? And if you're right. perfect, and it'd be great, you know, to knock it out of the park, but how do I make it better each day, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, until you mm-hmm. build up some new habits. And it sounds to me that it does take patience. That's the one thing that I lack. I've always been unpatient with things. I've always wanted things yesterday. And I think what you're talking about is you've got to have patience. You have to have the vision. So I know you're writing this new book. Tell us about that. And also tell us how folks can find you. I know you're all over. I Googled you and found you know, all your websites, and it's on the description here. But, but uh, let's put a plug out there for you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I'm, I do Ericksonian hypnosis, so my website is ericksonian.com. It's one of the easiest ones to remember. Um, if you know what Ericksonian hypnosis is, you can remember ericksonian.com. But um, I have another website since I do coaching, and I, I think NLP hypnosis, there are some very essential skills that a coach must have. So I have another website called Essential Coaching Skills. Um, so those two websites are probably the main ways people can get hold of me. Um, if they want to learn things that I do, I, have an, I, I do a thing called Sleight of Mouse. I have a Sleight of Mouse book. But there's also a, a website called sleightofmouse.org. I think it's .org. Maybe it's .info. Sleight of Mouse something. Maybe I think it's .org. I should do my own website. <laughs> this is embarrassing. It's sleightofmouse.something. Um, okay. It's not .com. I know that. Do the slidermouth.org or slidermouth.info. How embarrassing. If it's .org. Anyway, <laughs> that's how they get hold but, of me. But what you're really good at is that you have studied all of these modalities. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that anybody can be a coach. All you need to do is put up a website, and you can start coaching people tomorrow on anything. 
But what, what I think your unique selling proposition is, what your unique value is, is that you live this stuff. Like you have mentored with people, you have worked with people, um, you are an expert. In fact, I remember one time I was down in Florida and I overheard some people talking at a restaurant and Richard Bandler was in town and the next day I was talking to Richard and I says, you know, Richard, I live in New York. Like, you know, I live in Connecticut. Who, who's the guy there? And he goes, Doug O'Brien. You know, and, and that, that says a lot, you know, because you know what you're doing and you have this toolkit of so many resources because you're like that piano player. You're practicing all of this with your students, with your life, the books that you're writing, so that when someone hires you, whether it's a coach or whether it's, you know, for hypnosis, you really know how to help them change, which and people should reach out to you, and I mean that sincerely. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate all of that, what you just said. And I, I think that the, the one factor that I, I, I have that I, I just, I'm number one, I, I strive for the best, but number two, I'm also gentle with myself. Um, I think right. that's kind of the point to the ease thing, you know? Right. I, I have a client who does uh, hard, it's, it's called hard, hard 75. And there's this thing where mm-hmm. you, you probably, I've heard of it, but the thing where you hold yourself to like, I must do like 75 minutes of working out every day. I must eat it, drink a gallon of water every day. I'm, you know, so everything is like, you have to do this stuff and it's, there is no wiggle room. So it's all extraordinary, right. extraordinary, 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 extraordinary from my point of view as, as the East level. So I'm saying, yeah, I, I strive for the extraordinary. I do. I strive to be great or good or whatever, but I'm also okay with that. If I don't quite do the extraordinary, if I do, Something today that's moving in the right direction, I'm happy with that. Right. Yeah, so and, and what I've noticed is... It gets the ball going. Go ahead. You know, what I noticed is I was, you know, maybe a little obsessed in my 30s and 40s, but I, you know, I just turned into my 60s. I'm in my 60s. I just turned 61 last December. And I think it's a, a point of, uh, you know, a life cycle. It's like, okay, listen, we're doing this. We're making this happen. But my goodness, you know, I'm... I have the same mindset in the sense that you're moving forward or I'm moving forward, I should say, but if it doesn't happen, like, it's not the end of the world. You know, at least there's progress. There's progress. Uh, and I, I think that's what, makes me, that's what makes me happy. I think when I look back last year and I go, well, these are the things that happened and I can see the progress and I'm a better person and I'm moving. Not that I'm perfect. Not that I'm perfect. But I think it's the progress, not the perfection because I think the perfection, I think the perfection leads to mental illness. I really do. I think you could go crazy, you know? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. 100%. Okay, we got two minutes left. Anything else you want to share about your website? I, I, you know, if we had another half an hour, I would love to dig into this topic of hypnosis because I think, I really think that everything you just said in the last 20-some-odd minutes is based on hypnosis because what we're doing is we're getting into a habit, we're doing something, we're focusing on our identity, but it's very much tapping into the unconscious. And I think that's where the, I think that's where the issues are. The, the issues of, yes, I want to be healthy, but I also got this unconscious program running in the background, which I'm not even aware of, you know, and I think, uh, I think hypnosis has a lot to do with this ease. Am I onto something? Oh, you know, completely. Yes, it is. It is. Um, it is an awareness and an appreciation of how it is that your unconscious and conscious mind work together. 
um, you know, so we have consciously set goals. You know, I'm very conscious that I want these things and why I want them. But it, ultimately, I, I, I don't think about what, how to tie my shoes when I put my shoes on. It just automatically right. happens. So right. we, we need to get the ability to have new habits that we don't have to think about. We don't have to force ourselves to be motivated. We just are motivated. We get out of bed, right. we just go to the gym. You know, we put our sneakers on, we go. That's what we do. Yeah. We're runners. You know, whatever. You know. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I've thought about this for twenty years. I really think that the people that stay focused, they are putting themselves in a trance. They are, they are yeah. conceiving an identity. You know, it could be Superman, it could be salesperson of the year, whatever it is, uh, and they are living that vision, and then they're taking the actions of that individual. And they're just doing it over and over and over and over again until it becomes a habit. So, and what was yep. it? Aristotle said it's not what we do, or it's not what, what does he say? Something regarding that, right? Yeah, Aristotle said something that you know, excellence is not um, a decision or something, but an action. That says that, uh, we are we are who we we are what we what we do. We are what we do. Yes. So you do things every day. So yep. Okay. Yeah, it's been a right, long time. Thank it's you. Not new. Obviously, Aristotle's a few years ago. <laughs> Listen, uh, we got to take a, uh, an outgo here. Thank you, Doug. I really appreciate it. Have a happy new year. Thanks, you too. All the best. Okay, bye. bye. You've been listening to the Greg Dwyer Radio Show, brought to you by motivational speaker Greg Dwyer on buildingfortunesradio.com. Check out Greg at gregdwyer.com. Be sure to download his ebook at gregdwyerebook.com to stay focused on what matters most to you. That's www.gregdwyerebook.com. We want to thank you for listening. Now go make a difference in your world.